Hi, I'm Zach. I've been working in beer for well over a decade, so it's not uncommon for me to find myself enjoying a pint and great conversation with some of the most interesting folks in the brewing industry. Since many of the world's most entertaining discussions happen over a beer, I thought it might be fun to share a few of mine with you. This is Zach Talks Beer. Hello and welcome to Zach Talks Beer. This is an informal podcast in which I welcome friends and peers from the brewing industry on for an unfiltered, honest, and oftentimes fun conversation about working in beer, life outside of beer, and everything in between. Uh, my name is Zach Nichols, and I am a brewer and a small brewery owner, originally from Wisconsin, but now I'm based outside of Boulder, Colorado. I've been in beer professionally since about 2009, and I have met and spent valuable time with a lot of great people in that stretch, and my guest today is certainly one of them. Uh, so I'm happy to welcome onto the show Brian Hutchinson of Cannonball Creek Brewing in Golden, Colorado. Hutch, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, absolutely. What, uh, what, are you, what were you up to today at the brewery? Anything fun? Uh, how do you define fun? I mean, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a cellar day. I cleaned some kegs, uh, racked some beer, uh, cleaned a couple tanks and transferred some beer. So it was a productive day for sure. Sure. That's fun enough. Helps you sleep mm -hmm. at night knowing that you got some stuff done, right? Totally. Absolutely. Right on, man. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, um, I always ask our guests that come on the show to bring with them a beer that is special to them. Uh, it can be their own. It can be something local that they're super into. Uh, or it can simply be something else that they've enjoyed for years and years that they think deserves a little love. Um, so, hey, what are you uh, what are you opening tonight? Well, I, I kind of followed the rules. Um, <laughs> I, I do have a little story behind it. Um, I'll try to be brief. But um, the, the beer that I intended to bring on uh, was Firestone Walker Union Jack IPA because uh, it's particularly influential to me uh, right prior to starting Cannonball. Um, and the brewery itself, has, I would say their beer has been extremely influential um, in the beers that we make. Um, but I found that uh, despite my best efforts, it's, it's not readily available around here anymore. I don't know if that's a regional thing or if it's because uh, the shelves are, are stocked with all kinds of other things that I guess I'm, I'm not too interested in. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, see, I'm <laughs> seeing that beer less and less, I feel like. And when I do, it seems like mm. it's at, you know, randomly at like Walmart or a grocery store. And I'm seeing it less and less at the beer centric you know, places that I touch. Yeah. Shows. That, that made me a little sad. I went, I went to kind of what's considered to be the, the best, you know, beer store in, in my neighborhood. And I, I can't hate on them because they certainly do a great job supporting local breweries. There's a ton of great Colorado beers there. Um, but I was sad that I could no longer rely on picking up a six pack of Pivo or a Union Jack or Easy Jack. Um, so anyway, yeah. the beer that I actually did bring, I, I found a bottle of a uh, Firestone 25th anniversary. Um, nice. So I use this as an excuse for me to drink a what I imagine will be a pretty awesome beer here. So awesome, awesome. Yeah. So that generally their their anniversary beers are are clean barrel aged beers, right? They're usually like a blend of yeah stouts and stuff like that. They're, they're it's a big old blend. Um, to be real brief, you know, it comes with a nice little scroll that tells you all about it. Um, and I certainly won't read it to you. Um, but it looks like it's a, a blend of a barrel aged imperial stout. Um, a barrel aged quad, 
It's Keel barrel aged um, stout, brandy barrel barley wine, and a whiskey barrel wheat wine. So, wow, very cool. Yeah, yeah. I guess what they do is they they bring in a bunch of wine blenders and every year, and uh, that's how they decide the blend. So interesting. We shall see. So yeah. they bring in other palates and and influence on on the blend. It's not just exactly their, their brewers. That's cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Very neat. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. not too far off from that. Uh, tonight, I have got a um, Celebrator Doppelbach. Oh, cool. Yeah, Classic. Anger, anger. So nice. Uh, nice. for me, this one is, is uh, you know, just a great winter beer, but I tend to tend to drink this one a lot around the holidays. Sure. Um, and it's always fun to obviously hang the little uh, goat medallion that, that comes with it, the little ornament on the, Absolutely. Uh, the Christmas tree. So Absolutely. Um, yeah, I haven't, I, I usually am good for a couple four packs uh, a winter of this, and I haven't got one yet this year until now. So fantastic. Born into a glass and it's. Well, looks exactly how I remember it. So definitely uh, feels like we both got the, uh, the holiday spirit going on with our beers. So yeah, yeah, totally. I think this this uh, this podcast will probably air uh, right after Christmas. Um, sure. We're usually about two weeks out on stuff, and today mm-hmm. is what the thirteenth. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Um. Yeah. Well. Hey. Thanks for jumping on the show with me. Um. You know. I. You guys are obviously very. Uh, well known for the most part um, in the Colorado craft beer scene, but let's jump back a little bit. And I want to talk a bit about kind of how you got into craft beer and into brewing. Sure. I know a little bit about your background. You're, you are, you're Virginia, right? Is that where you're from? Correct. Yeah. And I know my, you know, I, I think I know you from mountain sun, which, which is a kind of uh, brew pub, uh, I don't want to say chain, but a family of, of brew pubs and restaurants uh, that sure. originally started in, in Boulder. Um, and it's just kind of a classic, like 90s style, like fresh handmade food and, and just like easy going beers. Um, what what were you doing before that? So before that, prior to taking my, uh, my job at Mountain Sun, that, that would have been like 2004, I believe. And um, I was almost done with a master's program in special education. I was teaching uh, kids with emotional behavioral disabilities and things of the like. And I was damn close to finishing that master's, but uh, simultaneously was doing a lot of homebrewing and a lot of thinking about homebrewing. And uh, to be quite honest, uh, the academic piece of that program was not very interesting to me. I enjoyed teaching, um, but I wasn't real happy with the program. And I often found myself um, thinking about beer instead of uh, what I was supposed to be thinking about in class at the time. That was up at uh, UNC in, in Greeley, Colorado. Sure. And, uh, you know, had a, had a lot of big conversations with my wife and decided to bail and uh, try to get a job in the brewing industry. And so that's what I did. Nice. So your, your first in was with Mountain Sun then? Correct. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware if you had been brewing out east or, uh, or no. professional level or anything. No, I've been in Colorado since 1995, pretty much my whole adult life. And um, I, I will say though, that, that prior to working for Mountain Sun, I did, um, I worked for free at Golden City Brewery for a while. Uh, Rick Abbott Ball was the brewer. He now owns a Ricoli in Wheat Ridge. And um, he let me, you know, hang out and kind of get a little bit of experience under my belt so I could put something on my resume prior to uh, getting the Mountain Sun job. Sure. Awesome. And you were, how long were you at Mountain Sun? I was at Mountain Sun for nine years. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So pretty long time. I, I basically worked my way up. I started uh, driving their truck and milling grain and washing kegs 
Yep. And uh, eventually it became kind of their director of brewing operations as they were starting to expand and help them build the Vine Street Pub in Denver right before I left to open Cannonball, which was fortuitous for me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. When you So when you jumped on in Mountain Sun, what, what were the, was it just the Mountain Sun that they had or what restaurants and breweries were open at it the time? It was Mountain Sun and Southern Sun at that time. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. And you were there nine years. Correct. So what, let's jump back a little bit too, because, you know, people who are, again, maybe based in Colorado are, are pretty familiar with what you guys do at Cannonball Creek, which frankly is really well-made beer across the board. And I think you're, you know, the, the medals that you guys have picked up at numerous awards is a testament to that. But I think a lot of people think of you in regards to your hoppy beers. Is that sure. something that you have always been interested in? Like since you, you since you were home brewing, or is that something that you fell into in your mountain sun days? Um, I, I've pretty much always been a hophead. I mean, I would say when I first started home brewing, I went kind of the the route that a lot of uh, new craft beer drinkers go, or at least they did back then. Um, so this this definitely dates me a little bit. But you know, at first it was approachable beers, which back then were ambers, and then you get into porters and stouts, and then you kind of get the palate for IPAs and things like that. Um, but but yeah, at the time, especially um, IPAs and Belgian beers, you know, any sort of hoppy beer and Belgian beers were kind of my passion early on. Right. And it's, I, maybe I'm off, but I, I, when I think of the mountain sun hoppy beers in, in contrast to what you guys are doing in cannonball, yeah, th- there is some difference there, right? Oh, like, absolutely. A, a lot of times you see like a brewer who, who spent nine or 10 years at a certain brewery leave and go somewhere else. And mm-hmm. while they, you know, put their thumbprint on the beers that they're making there oftentimes, or a lot of times, you know, you can see a, a quite a common thread through what they're making at their new spot compared to what they were making before. And, right. you know, I think of a lot of the mountain sun beers as like sort of like nineties, like OG style hoppy beers, like a little more yeah. malt for a lot of like crystal malt in there. And yeah. I think they've continued to, to grow and, and adapt, if you will, to the modern palates and whatnot. And, you know, I've, I, I was actually at the Southern sun the other day and I had a nice um, kind of more pale dry um, hop forward beer, but you know, I think of them a lot in regards to just like more like almost like amber colored IPAs and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, what, I, what you guys are doing at Cannonball is much more kind of like lean, um, you know, crisp, like bright, hoppy beers. Yeah, I, I think it's it's really accurate everything you just said. I mean, um, I think I felt an obligation to kind of honor the, the history of Mountain Sun, and as even as the head brewer there, um, although I I feel like, you know, we did evolve and I and I did take some you know make some significant changes i think looking back you know i i, I certainly i probably was a little too respectful to that tradition and, and maybe could have um could have been a little bit more adventurous as as their head brewer maybe that would have been a better service to them but either way um by the time i was wrapping up there and ready to open my own place i had a completely different idea about beers i wanted to make and i i certainly had no intention of bringing any of those recipes with me, even though they were good, I'm certainly not saying anything negative about them. Um, my brain was just in a completely different spot at that point. Sure. And you, you opened, so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You've got Jason over there who was with the mountain sun family before. Correct. (laughs) And then was Jonathan. Oh yeah. (laughs) Jonathan was mountain sun. So you, yeah. 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 He worked for me at Southern sun. Um, we had hired him on, I don't know, a couple of years before we both left there. And it was funny because he, he had left about a year or so before I did. And 
when Jason and I got serious about opening Cannonball, we both just kept thinking about, we needed a bar manager and we just kept thinking about, Jonathan has a, a history managing craft beer bars in Austin, Texas. And uh, we just kept saying we needed somebody like Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And he had been long gone from Mountain Sun and we just ended up calling him and uh, seeing if he wanted to come down and he did. So, Yeah, and he's kind of transitioned more into back of house stuff. Well, that was the, that was from the very beginning. That was the deal. He told me right away. He's like, I'll do this for you. You know, I'll definitely help you guys get open and I'll run that bar for like a year, but I need to be in boots after about a year. And I said, deal. So that's what yeah, we did. Yeah, totally. So it's really, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's, it's mostly you and, and Jonathan in boots in the back of house and Jason's what kind of just greasing the wheels in the business and just making sure yeah. chugs, chugs along, so to speak. Yeah. He's a logistics guy, which I really need. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, uh, he was helping out a little bit at the very beginning. Um, but it's just me and Jonathan that have been doing the brewing pretty much the entire time we've been open. Sure. Awesome. What, um, what do you guys got on tap right now? What are you excited about? I'm more excited about what's about to be on tap than what's oh, yeah? on tap right now. I feel, I feel like we've hit like a tiny little dip right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, just as far as selection is concerned. In terms uh, of just like I, uh, how broad just, the selection is or just. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're down to like nine beers, I think right now, which is, you know, a little bit low for us. Um, that being said, as far as what's on right now, I'm particularly stoked about Tenacious P, which is our Italian Pilsner. Um, it's a beer that we've had for a few years now, a couple of years. And, um, we've been working hard on, on, you know, tweaking it over the, the last couple of years. And I, I feel like we've, we finally maybe hit the nail on the head, at least for now. <laughs> and nice. uh, so that, that's, that's the beer that I'm drinking the most of uh, right now. And I think that's the beer that Jonathan and I are most excited about. Sure. And we got a lot of cool stuff coming up too. So, so when you, I actually just, we, we just released at Cellar West um, our first Italian pills that I made and super happy with it, but awesome. it's, it's become such the the style is so kind of ambiguous, right? Like yeah. when I think of it, Italian pills, I'm, I'm really just kind of thinking of Tipo pills. Sure. And, um, there's obviously, you know, Pivo is, is heavily influenced by that. There's some American yep. iterations that I think of, but when I just, when I think of Italian pills, I think of Tipo. Sure. And, you know, now I visit a lot of breweries and it's, you know, they got, someone behind the bar and I'm, I oftentimes will just say, what are you excited about? Right. Like I'll have whatever you're excited about, whatever's fresh, whatever's, you know, exciting for you. And oftentimes they're like, Oh, our, our Italian pills is great. You know, I'm like, all right, I'll go with that. And they pour it and I don't even need to taste it. I smell it. And I'm like, what, what's going on here? And they're like, Oh, we, you know, we dry hopped it with Citra and it's, it's a heavy whirlpool load of, you know, mosaic or whatever. And I just feel like Italian pills has, (laughs) has sort of just like ebbed and flowed into this, amorphous sort of style um that more or less it it seems like it's just sort of any dry hopped pilsner you can right that's too bad yeah right um Um, so when you say you've going back to what you said you said you feel like you've really kind of nailed it what does that mean for you in italian pills for me it means details um i've had tipo once or twice but to be honest i was probably again to bring up firestone walker most influenced by pivo Sure. Um, which I know is heavily influenced by Tipo. Um, and so I've always brewed it using, you know, noble type hops, uh, specifically Saphir and Hallertau. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, the details of those beers are, are what makes them great or, or average. And so for me, it's been a lot of tweaking grain bills and things like that to try to get the, the perfect combination to where you still get a malt bill that tastes like a Pilsner, but you also get that kind of extra dry quality that you get mm-hmm. with something like a Pivo. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I, I, I like to keep those dry hops light, at least by my standards. Um, and I like to keep them noble-like. And then it's about hitting that balance of the little bit of that crackery malt thing, but also finishing with just an extremely dry, crushable beer. Yeah, totally. Um, so jumping back a little bit uh, to to lager and to Great American Beer Festival, what, two years ago? You guys took home a medal for pills. Is that right? That's uh, yeah, it's either two or let's see. It wasn't virtual. I don't know. It's probably three years ago, I guess, for German. Okay. Pills. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that something, I mean, I know you guys have, were you making Pilsners when in loggers, when you opened Cannonball Creek, I feel like that was something that you started doing a year or two in. Yeah, it, it was probably about two years in and the main I've, I've, I wanted to do them from the get go. Um, but we got pretty overwhelmed, uh, right away and right, didn't, right. didn't feel like we had the tank time and all that. And, uh, you know, the first couple of years, it was just me brewing beer. Jonathan was behind the bar. Like, so I was doing everything by myself and, um, kind of, didn't feel like we had the time to brew them. Um, sure. but it's something we've focused heavily on for the last several years for sure. Yeah. And it's something that uh, every time I talk to you, I feel like, you know, we, t- we talk IPA, we talk hops, we talk pale ale. Um, but it seems like we always, the conversation tends to, to transition to lager conversation yeah, at some point or another. It's certainly what I, I feel like I'm pretty excited about still these days. And it sounds like you are too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are there any styles, uh, particularly within lager that, you know, we talked to Italian pills. Is there anything else that you're really excited to kind of continue to, to dig yeah. deeper into or. Uh, absolutely. Um, and at the, uh, risk of sounding boring, um, you know, trying, trying to perfect these styles, at least in my eyes is kind of, um, the priority for me. So instead of making, you know, 30 different loggers, I'm still working on German Pilsner. Um, right. I mean, you, you mentioned we got a, a medal for that, which was awesome. Um, but that didn't stop me from tweaking the beer. <laughs> it never sure. does. Um, so, so German Pils is still extremely important to me and, and Vienna Lager is, is something that I've been working pretty hard on too. What, I mean, when you take a medal, your Pilsner, what, remind me the name. Uh, uh, that one was uh, Netflix and Pils is what we called that one. And that was a gold medal at GABF, right? Great it was, That's yeah. So when you take a, a gold medal at GABF for your Pilsner and you leave and you go back to the drawing board on it, you know, what, what's the impetus behind that? I mean, what were you not, it was it not up to your expectations on that batch or. Um, I think then it was, I think then we were really stoked on it, but I think that we've been drinking more lagers and thinking about lagers more sure, and drinking that beer more and just, yeah. you know, saying, Hey, like what, what's, what, what do you think if we did this? What if this beer was just a little bit more crisp or had just a touch more bitterness or, you know, and I'm just using that as an example, but like, that's kind of what we do with, with all the beers. I mean, to be honest with you, like, you know, our pale ale featherweight won a bunch of medals early on. Mm-hmm. And at some point, Jonathan and I were just like, you know, this is really not our pale ale anymore, <laughs> you yeah. know? And we, we tweaked the hell out of that beer, you know, and we're yeah. fortunate enough that it won again recently. And I don't know if it's because we tweaked it or we got lucky. I have no idea, but, but certainly well, that's, a, that's a testament to, to you guys being astute brewers. And, and because if you, what I'm gathering is you guys have changed that recipe as it's gone on with the pale ale and you've continued oh, yeah. to win medals for it. Dramatically. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's an important thing. I think for a lot of brewers is like, keep that conversation going and not so much, you know, maybe not the saying rest on your laurels is fair, but you know, always be reevaluating and understand that, uh, the target's constantly moving. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, this because you, you don't have a choice really, if you drink your own beer enough, you, 
you're going to find things that you want to be better <laughs> or you want to Absolutely. be different, you know, it's hard not to be critical and yeah. to, to like, you know, let a metal influence kind of you improving your beer, I think it would be, um, I don't know, um, not the way to go. <laughs> yeah, totally. Zach talks beer is supported by seller West artisan ales. Cellar West is an award-winning small brewery in Lafayette, Colorado, just outside of Boulder and a short drive to nearby Denver. Named one of Beer Advocate's best new breweries in 2018, Cellar West crafts a variety of small batch beers, ranging from barrel-aged farmhouse sales to rustic European lagers. Planning a trip to Colorado? Be sure to add Cellar West Artisan Ales to your list of brewery visits. And now, back to the show. So you're excited about uh, lager and you are excited about specifically Pilsner. Are you, you know, you guys, you, you brought a Vienna lager. I've had your Vienna, Vienna lager and that's, I know that's one that you tend to bring up uh, in conversation a lot. Vienna lager is not one I see around a lot. Uh, right. Do you guys get a good amount of traction with that beer? Do your, your guests enjoy it? We do, but I think there's a catch to that. <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind of the only middle, like middle color spectrum and malt spectrum beer that we, we offer them. So they're forced sure. to drink it. So it's like, if the, they like... Uh, the amber. <laughs> exactly. Amber on? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you get people that just really want that, that red colored beer kind of. Sure. And um, for a while we were doing kind of more of a West coast red, uh, which was a nice beer, but um, something that we're no longer real excited about. And uh, although we have a few people that still complain, um, the Vienna lager is a nice compromise between what they want and what we want to make you know, um, and it's something that we're passionate about. And that's always been our thing is that, you know, we're too small to make beers that we're not excited about. Totally. Yeah, so. absolutely. What, I mean, piggybacking off the conversation, uh, with your, you know, your customers and your clientele, what, what's the scene feel like right now in golden Colorado? Cause it's, that's a unique town in regards to beer because you have the, uh, you know, the giant, uh, that everyone seems to be sort of living in the shadow of, so to speak, um, sure. maybe not in a craft sense, but, um, with cores in town there, what, what is the, what's the going on with the pulse of, of beer in golden at the moment? Whenever I say that's a good question, that means I haven't thought of an immediate answer, right? Um, <laughs> no, I think that, um, I can speak more specifically to what I see in cannonball. We've got a, what, nine or 10 breweries now in golden. And I don't know that we're all driving in the same direction. Sure. Um, but I do think it's a very craft focused town. And I think the people that live there are very much looking to go to small craft breweries as opposed to supporting the big guys, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but we're also a tourist town to some extent. And, and so what we see at Cannonball, you know, Monday through Friday is, is people that we see a lot on a regular basis. And they have 10 breweries to choose from in this small little town, you know, and right. they've, most of them have already made that choice. <laughs> right. So for one reason or another, you know, so we, we get a lot of the same folks that like what we do and are seeking out, you know, the kind of beers that we make. Um, and then on the weekends we get, we get the tourists who give us more of a feel of kind of what's going on outside of golden <laughs> on a regular basis. Sure. And, um, you know, I think we, we've still got our, our, you know, pe people that come to cannonball know what they're getting into. They're getting, hopefully really well-made clean beer that that's not um necessarily 
to the latest fad or whatever. Um, right. And we get people that are disappointed by that for sure. You know, we get people that come in and they're like, why don't you have a hazy? And it's like, well, that's just, it's not what we do. You know what I mean? You have a million opportunities. Trust me, I went to the liquor store today trying to find Union Jack. There's a million opportunities to, to drink hazy IPA. It's just not what we do, you know? Right. And so we just kind of have to have that conversation that this is our wheelhouse and other breweries have their wheelhouse and we're kind of sticking to what we feel like we do best and what we're most interested in so that we can give you a product that's inspired, you know? Sure. And I think that tra- that translates over to to most consumers, I would say. Maybe not everybody, but sure. I think most consumers, even if they come in, they say, hey, what's your hazy? They say, look, with all due respect, we don't necessarily make hazy IPA, but um, we make excellent hoppy beer. Here's a few, if you want that more juicy profile, here's some that are a little more fruit forward that I think yeah. would, would fit your bill. And yeah. m- most of the time, in my experience, if the beer is well-made and like you said, it's inspired, um, it translates and they can say, you know, this is really, this is actually really good. This is not usually the kind of beer I like, but I, I really sure. enjoy this. And then, you know, and then it allows you to get into deeper conversations, you know, right. like, oh, we don't necessarily make hazy IPA, but we have, you know, I've personally been influenced by New England style IPAs quite a bit and they've changed the way that I've been making IPAs for the last several years. You know, I've taken components of those beers and, and used them to fit kind of my style of beer. And so we, we've certainly learned a lot. And so we, we can say to them that here's a beer that's going to be low on bitterness, you know, have juicy hop profile and a soft mouthfeel, you know? So. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I usually don't try to get too, too far into the, the technical jargon with, with the show, but when you say that, when you say that you've borrowed things from hazy IPA brewing, what, you know, you, you brought up a few just now, but what are those things that you try to bring into your more modern IPAs that you're doing? I mean, the things that I've toyed with the most, and I'm not saying this is a, you know, a permanent direction or anything like that, but you know, with a lot of that, you know, you, you know, our project Alpha series, which is kind of like a evolving experimental IPA. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's been, it's really just from the very beginning and this is getting pretty old school at this point, but it's like, you know, loading the hops on the back end instead of the front end, um, mm-hmm. adjusting your water profile for mouthfeel, you know, um, and, and just really, you know, reducing that bitterness and and picking hops that are fruit forward. Like, like all those things have been influential to me, you know, and I haven't gone hundred percent in that direction, but I've certainly put them in my quiver, you know, so yeah. when I'm thinking about designing a beer, um, you know, I'm not just focused on west coast ipa right right what do you how do you feel about the term west coast ipa um i i guess i feel like it's a necessary evil right now unfortunately right um i never really adopted i i never really accepted that term for our beer um however (laughs) uh with, with with what's going on uh with ipa and craft beer in general right now i think it's something for the consumer that at least gives them some idea what they're getting in their glass. Um, so I, I guess I begrudgingly or begrudgingly accept it. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It seems like one of those things where for better or worse, a lot of the, you know, the modern beer consumers, um, and beer drinkers, craft beer drinkers, uh, don't, aren't overly interested in having a, an, uh, extended conversation about the story of a particular beer. Right. So, oh, no, right. Yeah. So like things with, that's, I think that's a, one of the, the reasons that hazy IPA has done so well is, you know, people say, what's the, the X, Y, Z beer. Oh, it's a hazy IPA. Do you like guava? Do you like orange juice? Oh, I love those things. Yeah. Do you want me to pour you a pint? Absolutely. You know, um, where 10 years ago there was, uh, I think a lot of beers had a little more story that went into them. Oh, we were using this grain. This beer is influenced by 
a beer that we were drinking for a long time from Germany or from the UK or whatever. Um, And I think that's where this, you know, maybe overuse of the term West coast IPA comes into play these days is and and I see it at, at our brewery, people come in, they go, Oh, the, you know, cause we like Langdon IPA, which is our house IPA. It, yeah. I don't know. It's sort of a West coast. Like we, right. use, we use Chico in it, but it's yeah. also got a little bit of uh caramel in it, which is like a English crystal 20. So it's yep. like not full on super lean, like San Diego style. Right. Um, it's got some New Zealand hops in it. So it just, we call it American IPA, but people always say, Oh, is it a hazy or a West coast? I'm like, it's probably a West coast, I guess. I don't, I don't know. We just yeah. kind of called our American IPA. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, man, because I, I would not use that term for the majority of, of our IPAs, specifically in that alpha series uh, for the longest time. Um, but I think that um, if you want to give somebody some sort of an idea about what they're getting into now, I don't know. I don't know that you have to. Um, maybe just have a bigger conversation. But I, I know that I've kind of acquiesced to that a little bit. Sure. So stepping beyond... Uh... Hoppy beers, IPAs, and, and lagers. Uh, what what are you excited about right now? I know you guys dabble in, into the Belgian stuff here and there. One one of my wife's yeah. favorite beers whenever we go there is the rosemary sourdough saison. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, are you? Do you guys have anything else uh, up your sleeves right now in regards to Belgian style beers or English English style beers, things like that? Hundred percent, man. Um, I'm actually we've kind of uh, one of one of our uh, house beers that we've I, I say house beers because it's normally on tap. Um, is the Brickyard Porter, which I say would lean, lean kind of English. And uh, we decided to go back to serving that on nitro and I reworked that recipe. And that's something I'm particularly excited right now about. Um, it's a it's just drinking super chocolatey and delicious right now. But more importantly, uh, Belgian wise, we've got um, a Tripel that we haven't brewed in, I don't know, probably about three years now. And it's a beer that we uh, named after a, a really good friend of ours from the Mountain Sundays, uh, Danny Williams. So it's Tripel Danny. Uh, he passed away. Gosh, now it's probably been it was prior to Cannonball. So we're looking at about probably 10 or 11 years ago. Um, but he was known for his, uh, he lived uh, in the foothills above Boulder and had a cave, a mining cave, you know, an old mine where he had one of the greatest selection of uh, bottled beer, specifically Belgians that you'd ever find. He was actually in the New York Times for it um, at one point. And um, so we named our Trapel after him. And uh, we haven't brewed that in a few years. So we've got that. I transferred it today and hopefully that'll be on tap in a few days. So I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked on that. Um, I'm still a big fan of those beers. I know that they're not extremely popular, um, but I think they're beers that will stand the test of time and will become popular again um, as far as those like Trappist Abbey styles. Oh, yeah. I love I love a well-made Abbey style, even even an American, you know, well-made Abbey sure. style beer I, I, I'm all about. And uh, yeah, fitting tribute to Danny. I, I actually only met Danny, I believe once after I moved to Boulder, it was at, at Backcountry, but um, oh, cool. he passed so you away know. maybe six months after I moved. I moved here beginning in 2012 and gotcha. uh, it's right yep. around then, I think. Yep. That yeah, we opened in 13, so that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yep. He had yep. passed away uh, probably about a year prior to us opening, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice. So you got some Belgian stuff going on. What yeah. um, What do you guys have, you know, so for, for those who don't know Cannonball Creek, you guys predominantly, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but the, the vast majority of your beer is sold over your bar at the oh, tap yeah. room at the brewery. Yeah. I know you guys sneak some kegs out here and there to, to friends who have beer bars and whatnot for the parties and anniversaries and things like sure. that. But is that sort of the, the, the modus operandi moving forward or what's the, what's the plans for, uh, for your, your product? 
you know, um, I've always said we'll never say never as far as um, production and packaging is concerned. Um, it is interesting to me, um, but we don't have we don't have concrete plans for that. We're we're looking at opportunities. I kind of spoke to you about this a little bit before, but we're yeah. we're kind of um, as things come up, we're we're kind of on on the back burner. We're, we're keeping our eyes open and, and looking for the right time and the right situation um, to take advantage of should it arise. Uh, that being said, we're also pretty comfortable in our own shoes of just doing what we're doing. Um, it works for us as far as like just a lifestyle um, sure. for Jason and myself. Um, you know, certainly nobody's getting getting rich doing this, but we, we do have a nice life and we understand what would change if we were to grow significantly just on a personal level. And, and that's a pretty important factor when making those kind of decisions. So it, ha- it has to be the right opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we'll see, I guess, is, is the bad answer. <laughs> yeah, no, um, that's fair. Cer- certainly open to it, but, but um, no aggressive business plan, you know, charging forth in that direction. Do you feel, do you feel like there is more room for Cannibal Creek in Golden, Colorado, or do you think that, you know, there's the opportunity maybe lies outside of Golden or even outside of Colorado? I mean, what, if you were to grow the brewery, how do you think, what do you think would make the most sense in terms of a growth plan? Well, I think that, I think we have a couple options there. I I don't know that doing... (sighs) I don't know that like certainly not opening like another tap room in Golden. I don't I don't think that would be a good idea for us. Um, I think the two avenues we could take, you know, one would be production where we do stay local, but we you know just get a warehouse space or something like that, and, and really go for for distribution. Um, we have so many people that have absolutely no idea who we are, and then we have all these these people that are in the know that are more beer centric folks that are like, you know, you guys would crush it if you you know started canning and everything like that. Right. And it's, so it's, it's kind of this, I, I could see us doing another tap room somewhere else successfully or really taking the plunge and, and deciding to go with packaging beer. And, and as, as we, we both know, that's a completely different ball game, but it's certainly yeah. not something I'm opposed to doing. Um, if, if the timing and the, the details around it are, are right, you know, yeah. I think for a big answer. I think there's something, there's something to, uh, making the beer, the, the product that you care so much about a little bit of a, I don't want to use the word challenge, but it's almost, there's like a charm to, to having to, you know, go to golden, at least for someone like me who lives in Lafayette, we're probably like a 30 minute drive from you. Sure. And the fact that I can't go to my little beer shop in town here and grab a four pack of cans of, of Mindbender IPA. And that I know that anytime I'm passing through gold and I got to swing in, grab a pint, grab a couple crawlers to go. Um, there's something to that. And there's an appeal to that for someone like me. Um, and I think probably a lot of people, you know, I, there's probably a, maybe a, a larger majority that would prefer just to be able to grab a four pack of pine bender. But, sure, um, sure. you know, I think of, I, I had uh, Matt Van Wick from Ale Song on the show uh, recently. And the beer that I selected was um, Two Hearted. Yeah. And I remember always thinking, man, you know, it's, I really enjoy two hearted. It's, it's one of, one of my favorite kind of classic American IPAs. And, and whenever I go back to Wisconsin, I would, I would always try to get some two hearted and I would always, right. man, I, God, I wish they sent this out to Colorado. I would just drink so much of it. <laughs> and I do, but yeah. maybe not as much as I thought I would. Right. <laughs> right like right, I was right. like, Oh man, I would be <laughs> going through a six pack a week of this stuff. And it's like, 
I maybe buy a six pack every other month, but, sure. um, so, you know, there's a little bit of that, like grass is always greener, um, Absolutely. To it and, and, um, uh, but I think you guys are, are going about it the right way. Um, and I think slow, slow, methodical growth. And, and when I think of breweries, at least in Colorado, um, that are, you know, really keeping an eye on the, the quality of their product, uh, you guys definitely jump right, right into my mind. So I appreciate important. that, man. It's, yeah. it's important for us. And, and, um, it's always good to hear that feedback because essentially that really is all we're doing, right? We have this little tasting room and we're making beer. Yep. <laughs> so hope, Not- hopefully that is what we're focusing on and, and, um, and we're, you know, we're actually making it happen. Yep. So. Yeah, you're not solving the world's problems, right? I mean, I see some right. of these breweries that just start to kind of almost take on the world. And it's like, man, we're, we're making beer at the end of the day, right? Like, we're just trying right. to make someone's Wednesday night a little bit better or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, right on, man. Well, I always I always think about you when uh, I think about, you know, challenging conversations and, and you know, the future of, of American craft beer. So I wanted to ask you this question. What's something that we didn't bring up that you think deserves a little more discussion about the beer industry in the U.S. right now, and kind of where we're headed, um, sure. the things that are happening. What What's something that you wish people were talking a little more about that um, is on your mind a lot? Yeah, um, perhaps um, homogenization and, and dare I say, kind of dumbing down of, of craft beer. Um, I feel like you know when I got into this industry and here ensues the get off my lawn speech, I suppose. But um, (laughs) when I I got into it, I feel like we were, we were more, um, I don't know, a a little bit more rebellious and not looking to please the entire world. We knew that we were kind of a niche thing. We weren't, craft beer was never supposed to be, you know, taking over a hundred percent of the market share. And I, I understand why we want to grow, you know, craft beer. And I'm certainly not speaking against that, but, but I am looking at the fact that I do feel like everything is sort of, um, consumer-based instead of, um, you know, the artist or the craftsman kind of creating his product and, and having a small group of people that appreciate it. I think that's kind of what craft beer was to me. And now, now I, I just feel like, I don't know, man, every, every four pack looks the same as far as the artwork and everything like that. And there's, there's breweries that, you know, pretended they wouldn't make certain styles of beer and so they'd never do this and they're all making them now and i don't know so so for me that that's kind of dumbing down a little bit of of the individualism that makes craft beer special um and i certainly don't want to be too negative about it um i i understand the need to make beer that sells it it is a business of course um but i think it's something to think about i think the you know maintaining our our individualism in this thing um as small brewers is it's pretty important um, for us to be authentic. So, yeah, it feels a, a little bit like the sort of that uh, the hunt for the the white space, if you will, has has kind of uh, dwindled a little bit in the last five or six years. Like, yeah, you know, looking looking to to try to push boundaries and do something new is not as appealing to, yeah. to some brewers as as it once was. So, pushing boundaries and also just just being authentic. You know, like yeah. thinking about why you're you know most of us that have done this for a while didn't necessarily get into it to become wealthy. And I think that that shows in the beers that, that those of us that are passionate about this, that we produced. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's about pushing boundaries. It's also just about being true to yourself, you know, and, um, and not just 
selling what you think everybody wants to drink. You know, um, I, I guess I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned about letting the consumer just completely dictate what it is that we're doing. I I, I wonder what the end result of that's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was Mark Cuban who once uh, I read a, an excerpt from. I think it was a speech he gave, but he said, uh, you know, if if uh, you follow the the idea that the consumer is always right, then you are doing a disservice to your consumer because the whole idea is they're following along and, and purchasing your product because you should be the one showing them what they should be excited about and, right. and pushing the envelope and exposing them to new things. And if they're dictating what you're doing and, and you're just kind of like, oh, I guess we should make more of this because this is what people are asking for, you know, you're, you're maybe not uh, doing as good of a service to your consumer as, as you may think you are. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And specifically as it relates to craft beer, you know, sure. let's, let's keep that little bit of, of punk rock, you know, yep. in this industry and, and not just conform to what we think everybody wants. You know, that's never why any of us got into this. Absolutely. Well, I think you guys are doing a great job of, of everything you guys are doing at, at Cannonball. Um, so, hey, where, where can people find more about Cannonball Creek Brewing? You guys are in Golden, Colorado. Cool. Um, give me a, a quick rundown of, you know, any social people can find you on your website, uh, address, yeah. whatever you, you want to get out. Yeah, there. man. I mean, just cannonballcreekbrewing.com is the website. So um, we're usually fairly up to date on the, the beers that we're offering there. Um, Instagram, Facebook, it's just Cannonball Creek Brewing Co. I think Instagram's Cannonball Creek Brewing Co. But um, easy to find if you type in Cannonball Creek on both of those platforms. And um, certainly could be, a, we could do a better job with our social media than we are right now. Um, and that's probably more my fault than anybody else's. Uh, but we are there. So, um, and we're small. So you can always call us too and, 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 and talk to us in person and come by uh, the tap room. That's really all we do, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, I think you guys, I follow you guys on social media. I think you do a well enough job of letting people know when there's new food trucks out, new, uh, new beers hitting the draft wall, stuff like that. So, um, I think if people want to keep, keep in the loop on what you guys are doing, your, your social does a great job of it. So well, thanks right on. Hey, Brian, thank you so much, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Zach is a lot of fun, man. You yeah. have to make it up your way here pretty soon. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I actually drove by you. Uh, I drove by your brewery this morning. I was on my way down from Breckenridge and, uh, nice. But it was only like, I don't know, 8.30 in the morning. So I was slaving away washing kegs. Man. I figured you were. I had, to, <laughs> I had to get into my brewery to do some canning. But um, no, I'll make it down there soon and, and uh, grab a pint and say hi to you. Yeah, man, I got to get up your way. Totally. Well, hey, uh, send everyone our, our wishes at the brewery for a great holiday and everything. And uh, yeah, let's get some beers soon. Sounds like a plan. Awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, thanks for listening to Zach Talks Beer. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leave a rating uh, and or a review on Apple Podcasts. That's kind of how we keep things rolling along over here. We don't necessarily have a social media presence for the show, but you can visit Zach Talks Beer to contact me, ZachTalksBeer.com to contact me uh, and to check out all of our new episodes. Uh, I do my best to try to get one up every other week or so uh, or as much as my life at uh, the brewery allows for. So, uh, And on that note, feel free to visit CellarWest.com or CellarWest Artisan Ales on Instagram or Facebook to learn a little bit more about my small brewery in Colorado. Hope everyone has a great next few days and a wonderful holidays, and we will circle back soon enough. Cheers. Cheers.